0: Let me ask you this. Have you ever been talking to someone and you're, you're trying to get your point across or you know, you're know you sure that you can get them to see your, your point of view or whatever it is and they just walk away? Or if you prefer, have you ever been in that situation on the other way around and you've been the person who just walked away and, and delivered the, uh, the silent treatment?
1: Uh, I hate the silent treatment. I hate being the recipient of it. And I'm I don't I'm not very good at it myself. I talk a lot um, for I'm sure everyone that listens to this knows how much I talk. So it's really hard for me to stay quiet. <laughs> but um, I've certainly been on the the receiving end of it. Right. And um, not for a long time, though, but like certainly in like past relationships or friendships, even where that, that have, you know, fall, you know, gone south. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: It's absolutely brutal, isn't it? And it's so effective. But that's what's that's what's so impressive about it. Because like you said, I can relate to that, you know, you like to talk and um, yeah, it seems so counterintuitive to me to be like, let's not talk about this. Let's just shut off communication and you can't do anything about it, you know?
1: It's kind of a desperate situation to to be in. It's a terrible, terrible feeling, right? And I'm terrible at holding grudges too. I'm I'm very non confrontational. I'm someone that like wants to make up, you know, uh, and yeah. and at least come to a an, a point where like we can agree to disagree or agree to take some time and space or something like that. But yeah, just the the straight up silent treatment is is brutal.
0: Yeah, and it, and I was thinking, you know, th- talking about effectiveness and and things that really makes sense you know i I like that term the cold shoulder um Mm. i always thought that has a great ring to it and do you know the you know the origin of that
1: uh the cold shoulder no
0: well i guess you know at some point in history um a few centuries ago he there, there was a there was a, like, if you had, if you were, if you were upset with someone, right. And you were having them as a guest at your house for a dinner party, say you would serve them their meat cold, to send a message and I thought <laughs> wow that is super effective isn't it like everyone's sitting down everyone's happy they got a hot plate of food everybody's you know in high spirits and you, you you put your fork down or your knife or whatever and you bring it up to your mouth and you find out it's ice cold
1: so is that like the the pork shoulder or something like that or
0: that's what I would that's what I would think you know that that that's where I think it probably comes from but yeah crazy Ugh.
2: Huh? 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 Nice.
0: Follow me. There's also orange juice and grapefruit juice, which personally, as you know, I've never been a fan of, but considering all the polyphenols and the liminoids, can't hurt. Walt, You didn't
2: have to do this. I wanted
0: to. This is Growth Decay Transformation, a Breaking Bad rewatch podcast. I'm Pete.
1: And I'm Courtney.
0: And we're joined by our producer, Talitha Barco. Today we will be talking about episode 204 Down, which is a really bad day for Jesse Bruce Pinkman.
1: (laughs) Courtney, can you give us...
0: Yeah, Bruce, we found that out this episode for the first time. Courtney, do you want to give us the synopsis of what happened?
1: Yeah, sure. So this one begins with our second black and white teaser of the season, and it's uh, shorter than the one we got at the... um, in the, the opening of season two. And in this time, this one, we see the pink teddy bear uh, floating in the pool and it gets fished out of the pool and put in an evidence bag along with uh, several other items. And the last item in that lineup is a pair of glasses, which, you know, the first time I saw it, I thought it was Walt's glasses, right? And I think maybe that's what we're supposed to believe. So um, after the the title sequence, Walt and Jesse then meet for the first time um, since the whole Tuco debacle uh, in a convenience store where Walt gives Jesse some cash and they agree that they'll go no contact for some time as Walt is trying to uh, quote unquote mend fences with his family. Meanwhile, Jesse's going to break some fences, right? <laughs> like literally. Mm-hmm. So Skyler is clearly stressed about the whole ordeal with Walt and she wakes up in a panic to find that Walt is not in the bed with her. And instead he's making this elaborate breakfast in his attempt to smooth things over things go really well in this breakfast until he offers an explanation for why his phone rings so he tries to tell her that you know he sets a reminder on his phone for his medication it sounds a lot like a ring and she slips out of the house as he's you know prattling on in the kitchen and so begins this trend of Skylar giving him the cold shoulder for the majority of the episode and leaving the house without any explanation.
0: Yeah, the old cold shoulder, there it is. And um, I, I the way that he he just sort of discovers it in the scene is so perfect because he just keeps talking. And, and that's the whole problem, right? Like if he stopped at the breakfast, maybe he has a way to, over the next few days, make things better. But he keeps going, he keeps adding. And so it, it's perfect that she just sort of slips out whenever he's not paying attention and he's still trying to sell this story. And then uh, we see what, you know, he, when he discovers it, he can't believe it.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's so surprised when he turns around and she's missing. It's, it's a funny moment. That's and why it's like, it works uh, so well, because yeah. you can't,
0: you know, for, especially someone with his, in, from like the way he is, like, you know, the way that his personality is like, you can't imagine that, that, that someone would do such a thing, you know?
1: Yeah, so meanwhile, uh, Jesse is called into a meeting um, at a lawyer's office. He doesn't know why he's there. And then he finds out that his parents are giving him 72 hours to vacate the house or they will be evicting him. So he calls Walt asking for money, but Walt hangs up on him as he's trying to talk to Skylar, who is again on her way out of the house, right? So Jesse fails to take his parents seriously and has a very rude awakening. Again, literally, he's asleep when his mom comes in um, with a bunch of movers who force him to leave. So he tries to crash at an old bandmate's house, um, but is told that he has to uh, F-O when the friend's wife comes home, right? So at the same convenience store where he met Walt in that um, first scene after the the title sequence, uh, he... Um, he gets his bike stolen so it's just like one thing after another for this this poor guy. So then he makes his way to the junkyard where the RV is being stowed. He hops the fence, he lands on top of the porta potty crashes through it, and then cries himself to sleep in the RV, completely stained blue. The next morning, Clovis, the guy that runs the, uh, the junkyard and Badger's cousin, <laughs> walks out and he sees this trail of blue footprints <laughs> leading to the RV. So he follows that and he conf- confronts Jesse in the RV And then after threatening to sell all the cook stuff in the RV, Clovis throws Jesse out. As Clovis is talking to a connection, um, interested in buying, you know, all the stuff in the RV, Jesse hops the fence and then he breaks out with the RV, like crashes through the fence. So again, Walt is mending fesses, Jesse is uh, tearing them down. So Skylar is um, up and out early that same morning. So Walt decides that he's going to do something fun. And his idea of fun is taking Junior to learn how to drive. And that doesn't go very well either. And they're both really stressed at the end of that scene so the next morning walt asks skylar if they can talk and he offers this really half-assed apology and she asks him to tell her the truth when he feigns ignorance things get heated and she leaves again in a huff when he follows her out he spots the rv parked on the street so skylar leaves and then walt confronts jesse and he begins berating him and then jesse just snaps. The two get into a fight and they're rolling around and Jesse pulls back his fists like he's going to punch Walt, but he stops himself. Then the next shot is them walking through uh, the front door of the White House and uh, Walt offers to make him breakfast and then he gives him uh, half the money from the vent. So the episode then closes on Skyler walking out of a convenience store. It might be the same convenience store, come to think of it, um, and gets back into her car with a pack of cigarettes. And as she lights one up in the car, there's a woman in the car parked next to her who shakes her head in disapproval. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what'd you crossing
0: think about this lines. one? Yeah. Crossing lines, smoking those cigarettes while you're pregnant. Huh? Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, tri- this is, it's a good, it's a good episode. I mean, it, 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 there's, it's one, of it's another one of those, like we saw in the first season where they split them up and we see how they react to these different things like external forces that are making things difficult for them in their own ways. And it, you know, shows, just a, shows the a difference between differences between the two characters. Um, Only this time when they come back together, it's a lot harder to feel sympathetic for Walt, uh, at least now, like knowing what we know, it's, it's pretty obvious, like connecting the dots from, from how Walt experiences what's going on in his life and how he sort of takes that out in a really, uh, awful way, um, that to Jesse that what, who who clearly doesn't deserve half of what he's getting in this in this episode so it's it's kind of it kind of feels more it it feels a little bit more um skewed towards like wow walt is really terrible than than the last couple of times we saw this happen and then like in some ways it's it feels a little bit like a part one of one of two like this one and two the next one 205 um they're they're setting things up for whatever's going to come next in this post Tuco uh, situation, and um, it, it's a little bit frustrating in that way because a lot of the stuff that that that's coming out in this one really comes into clear focus in the next one. So I kind of want to talk about a lot of this stuff when we get to that because you know, like I said, I think it it sort of feels like this is a this is a setup of what is ultimately a two two two-parter, um, of setup, I guess is a way to say that. Mm -hmm. But I mean, a lot of, a lot of important stuff happens here. And I think what on rewatch, the, the, the best thing about this episode for me, you know, what really stood out is that it's a great distillation of how they use Jesse's character in the story. Um, in the first half of this episode, he's going through some real shit and, He's, he's coming off of all this stuff, you know, like the life and death struggle with, with Tuco, the showdown with Hank at the DEA, you know, uh, all of this stuff. And even though all of what's happening to him is awful and his parents are being brutal and all of that, it's still kind of funny at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, he, 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 he I didn't at least really start to feel how terrible all of that was until he gets into the RV and breaks down you know like it's even like falling into the porta potty is pretty hilarious and the fact that he pulls out the the gas mask you know like it 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 it's all it's all funny at the same time it's 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 really sad and um that's the things that you can do with this character that they they develop so it's it's interesting in that way and um there's also this great performance from Anna Gunn um she gets to really show off what she can do in this episode. And, you know, she gives Walt the chance to reconcile. She makes it really simple for him, but she's asking him to do the one thing that he can't do, which is, which is, you know, really compelling, a really compelling uh, way to set things up. what do you think?
1: Well, it's, it's interesting that you could appreciate the, the humor in this one. Cause I find this episode really hard to watch. And, um on in the few times that I've rewatched uh, Breaking Bad um I've sometimes skipped this episode just because I find it so uncomfortable I I get I feel so bad for for Jesse in this one. And I feel really bad for Skylar um, as well. I feel bad for all of them. Yeah. It's just like everyone is really having a down day. <laughs> and it's yeah. the perfectly blue. titled episode. Blue, if you will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're all blue. So nothing really bad happens in it per se. Like we don't actually see someone die. Um, but the emotional impact of it really hits hard for me anyway. It's another one of those, as I said, perfectly named episodes. So they're all down on their luck, down in the dumps. And um, and, and Walt's desperate attempt to, to mend fences to reestablish contact with his family is so insincere. He's only trying to reconnect with them because he wants to get Skyler off his back like he's trying to, I guess, ameliorate the situation. Um, but it's it's insincere. At least it really rings hollow, and I guess it does mm-hmm. to her too. And that's why she's able to to recognize it. So it's it's not that he really recognizes the damage that he has wrought. So I think this episode really makes it clear that you know what this this guy really. Isn't putting his family first, no matter how much he tries to convince himself or others that he is. So there's this really, I think, telling moment when he follows her out to the car. Again, one of those moments where she's taking off. This is right where he sees Jesse parked on the street. So the the um, emotional tension is really, really amped up. But he's yelling at her. Do you know what I've done for this family? And it's like almost yeah. like a little slip there. Like, mm-hmm. like how could she know? And would he have told her in that, that heat of, you know of rage. I don't, probably not, not at that moment, but, um, and, and you said it all about Jesse, poor guy. I mean, really when it, when it rains, it pours. And, you know, I, when I think of like why they chose the porta potty cleaner to be blue, I don't know if they come in other colors, but it seems like it, you know, the, the blue being synonymous with the meth and everything. When
0: I just think of that stuff, it just, it it puts a shiver down my spine, the smell of that, that liquid
1: yeah it's another one of those scenes you can smell this is very yeah. visceral but it's almost <laughs> like the blue the blue being like this life represent symbolic for the life of the meth of and everything has stained jesse and yeah. um they they take that quite literally with that shot you're listening to growth decay transformation we'll be right back
3: Except, it's incredibly badass, it stars an absolute icon of the genre, we're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was, and those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie themed drinks at the theater's full bar. Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest six page at baldmove.com slash live, live,
1: live. Let's get cooking. We're back with more growth, decay, transformation.
0: And apparently from listening to the Insider Podcast, the stuff that they use to, not the stuff that came out of the porta potty but the stuff they used to put on him for like the scenes afterwards, like the next day and everything else was, was really hard to wash off. So he was walking around looking like a Smurf for a while.
1: Yeah. I think so, in the next, in the next episode, they even show like, he still has like some blue staining around his uh, cuticles. So I, I love yeah, those like little details. a really great that they, detail. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it really is. <laughs> so, um, I guess we can jump right in. Uh, you know, one thing I wanted to mention before we get into the actual, you know, the developments of what happens here is that the bike lock, whenever he pulls up to the store and he and he, he has his motorcycle, so he he puts the lock on. And it really it really it's really kind of subtle, but you know, that's the that's the murder weapon, right? That's the mm-hmm. thing that, that Walt killed Crazy Eight with. Uh and I, but, I thought that was I thought that was really interesting because because Jesse doesn't know the details of what happened yeah. there. Mm-hmm. You know, he he was off smoking at the Crystal Palace and he came home and everything was cleaned up and and he left it there, right? He he doesn't need to know the details. And I and I thought that was interesting how you know, he's walking around with this thing and, and, and it's, you know, it's just an inanimate object for the most part. And um, it doesn't have any real meaning to him, but like to Walt say, uh, you know, he, it it has a very, you know, very real um, memory tied to it. So, you know, I was thinking about just the way that things go unspoken, you know, because, because of the seriousness of, of the stuff that they do.
1: Yeah, I mean, and again, it sort of picks up on this, I think, this theme running throughout this episode and really through the series is how um, tainted everything is and how Mm -hmm. everything to do with Walt is poisonous and toxic for for Jesse. So that the bike lock was uh, used as the murder weapon. Of course, as you noted, that's not something Jesse's aware of, but he does know that's what was used to hold um him yeah, hostage him <laughs> and it was his idea right though and yeah. pr- if you'll remember Jesse was really proud of himself for coming up with that idea so and that
0: and that also just goes to the to the to the desper- desperation of of his situation right because I mean, obviously because of that knowing that he wouldn't use that if he didn't have to but he's in the in the pl- place now that his car is gone and you know he has to get around he he has to you know, meet Walt here. I'm sure that wasn't, there was no flexibility for him there. So, you know, that, that kind of adds to that a little bit too. Um, I, I thought, you know, the, the idea of um, the wake up calls, you know, the way that he tries to um, he knows what's going on, right. The, the last episode it ended that she wanted to know about this second cell phone. That That's the setup here. We didn't really get to see exactly how that all played out. They just sort of went to sleep, right? Mm-hmm. But he gets up with an agenda. He's going to make breakfast. He's going to make everything all right. I thought that the you know the the biggest thing that jumped out here was the way that he he seemed somewhat sincere when he said I wanted wanted to. You know, when she says you didn't have to do that, and at that point she's she's got her her. There's like a there's sort of a uh, progression from from her detecting what's going on and and feeling like she wants to leave because she she's not into it or whatever right so at first it's it's, it's just a nice thing you know you can't really overlook that you know like okay well that's nice Walt's up he's making breakfast and um, the first kind of look you get from her is that he says I wanted to you know and. Um, I I guess what I wanted to ask you about was the sincerity that that goes into this, and like he he's in his mind he he can't. There's no way that he can explain the second cell phone, right? There's nothing. There isn't a lie that works, right?
1: Well, I think he already told her that there wasn't a second cell phone. And the smart thing would have been to just ignore that unless she brought it up again. But, you know, here he really puts his foot in his, in his own mouth by trying to offer that explanation. Um, I think it's interesting, though, that that scene, you, you said you thought it seemed sincere at the, the beginning of him making mm. the breakfast. I completely disagree with you on that point. I think the whole thing is just like, obviously a farce. I mean, cause the, the well, scene. Right yeah, before- yeah.
0: Not, let, let me clarify, I'm not making breakfast and everything. This is obviously a, a move, but whenever mm-hmm. he said I wanted to, you know, like I'm saying, I'm not saying like, um, that he did it sincerely, but I'm saying that in his mind, he sincerely does want to make things right. I don't but, know that
1: he wants to make things right as much as he just wants her or, to leave him alone, get out of, right. you know, well, climb down yeah, out of his ass, as he yeah, says to
0: her. <laughs> that's where At I was point. trying to get to was that you know it, it, that he if he can't tell the truth, if that's not an option, then then really this is the this is the thing that makes the most sense for him to try to do, which is just sort of uh, smooth things over the best he can, you know. But, yeah. but but what's but what's interesting about this is that he he can't leave well enough alone, you know. What yeah, I mean? exactly,
1: like he- exactly. And um, I I love the way Anna Gunn acts in this scene. I think yeah. the, her performance in this whole episode is really great. But in this this scene in particular, because I think like. She is, uh, you know, she's sort of a stand in for the audience. So like when she wakes up and she's alarmed that he's not in bed and she walks out to see that he's made this really elaborate, grandiose breakfast, she's like, Like, what the, you know, and there's her, you know, she's suspicious of it. And you can read that really clearly on her face. And it's like, yeah, we're all suspicious of this. And we know we know what he's doing, because like in the scene right before that, he tells Jesse he has to try to mend fences. His wife won't like let him leave for 20 minutes, you know, without being concerned and stuff like that. So she's really like suspicious. But then, you know, he really does disarm her, like the whole, as you say, like, I wanted to do it. Um, and then they start talking about like music and boss gags and you know having like a it seems like a really wholesome family conversation and moment and it you know if if he would have just kept his freaking mouth shut you know but like mm-hmm. it becomes I think I think the problem where he really screwed up is is because he's telling her about this like creative writing workshop at yeah, um, at is- the university. <laughs>
0: that's what i was thinking that there that there's sort of like these steps to you know like he he starts out okay and then then he does one thing and then the next thing each one just sort of sets off another red flag and they all add up by the end right
1: yeah so at first he's like yeah i think this would be good for you you would enjoy it and she's she's into it she's receptive to it and he even offers To go with her but really the agenda is he just wants her out of the house he wants her to go and do something else just so he has some free time some breathing time so he can get back to cooking and he should be careful maybe perhaps what he's wishing for there because she does leave the house but for a different reason he's again he's trying to uh create distance from her ultimately Mm -hmm. at least that's the way i read it he needs to get her off his back and get her preoccupied with something else um, and that really, really backfires. So, like, you know, that might have worked well if he had just left it there. But then, when he brings up the cell phone, then she's, you know, maybe in in her head, she's like, you know what? There's something really amiss here. Like, this is not just the story is is complete bullshit, but like everything preceding it was also bullshit. I think she's hip to it at this point. Like the whole thing yeah. is is bullshit.
0: Yeah, and there's a you know that what what's like what you said. Okay, there was. um there was like a, a point in this that it felt like a wholesome kind of family thing. And that's what really hurts after the fact, right? Because they're having a nice time that that's, that's, that's the possibility possibility of what could be right. That they, they could be a happy family that sits there and eats breakfast together and has these conversations where their son doesn't know the music that they were into when they yeah. were younger and everything else. And then as each, each step along the way, you know, it's just like, oh, but none of that really was sincere at all. And this is all bullshit and everything is just, you know, what, who did I marry? Like, where, who, who do I live with inside this house? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many things here that, um, that, that, you know, you, as a human being, you can relate to as just like, God, this guy sucks. You know what I mean? And I'm stuck with him forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I really, like you know it the everything that she does here makes complete sense to me, I think, for a person in her situation, oh um,
1: completely, yeah, and I know and, vince uh, gilligan has a uh, has talked about how like they we're debating a lot over like when Skyler would figure out like something was wrong that he was lying and stuff like that, and they hadn't in- intended for her to become suspicious so soon in the series, but they knew that like they couldn't keep it a secret from this character. She was too smart, so and I really respect that they did that, right? Because like otherwise, I would be like, she's an idiot. How does she not see it? You know, da 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 So um, it is uh, I I love I love the moments with um with Walt and Skylar in this episode and in the next episode. I think there's a lot of really, they, they play off each other in really, really interesting ways. And one thing that stood out to me upon rewatching this particular episode was this, again, this like uh, the role of the mother. So when we first started this, uh, this podcast, um, I don't remember if it was like in the first or second episode. It was pretty early on, but we talked a lot about like Skylar's role um, in the series as like mother, as like caretaker, as like good wife, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and and really, in that that cast in that that role, um, and everything that comes along with that, like the expectations that we have of a, of a woman in that position, and they really turn that on the on its head in this episode, and really in the next episode. So a lot of really mm-hmm. interesting stuff with Skylar, um, and like women in general that we'll get into when we talk about breakage. But um, in this one, when it comes specifically to mothers and the expectations that we have of our mothers, you see a couple different things happen here. So like with Walt and Skyler, of course, which we've already been talking about, but also with Jesse and his mom and how surprised he is that she actually makes good on her threat. And um, that scene where she's confronting Jesse in in his uh, bedroom at his aunt's house. Um, it's such a heartbreaking scene, you know, where she's telling him that he needs to get out and he calls her a bitch and she slaps him. And you can feel the grief that that mother feels and how difficult it is for her. I mean, she even speaks to him with a with a soft tone, like, I, I don't know, sweetheart, you know, please get your life together. It's tough love, right? And yeah. so you might think of not just the cold shoulder, but tough love. And what Skylar is doing is in her own way an act of like, kind of like, tough love, right? Like, So she's been trying to communicate with Walt. She's been trying to understand where he's coming from, what's going on with him. And like nothing has worked, right? He's just obviously blatantly lying to her. And so this is like, I don't know, it's almost like this is her breaking point. And um, we really see it in the next episode, which again, appropriately titled Breakage. But like she's just like, you know, she can't keep doing it anymore. And and her, um, I guess her response to that is to go silent and see how he likes it
0: so do you want to talk about uh jesse's really really bad day
1: yeah sure poor jesse <laughs> you know and yeah. can i just say about the opening the cold open with the teddy bear being upside down oh, again yeah, i think that was skipped over that yeah that was i think a very deliberate choice that the bear is floating upside down um as opposed to just like lying like you know like maybe face up or any other direction they intentionally Mm -hmm. had it um you know downward and again down is the title of the episode and when they the way they fish it out and it's like just dripping water is kind of foreshadowing of what happens to jesse when he rolls out of the the porta potty right like he's that teddy bear that falls down um and comes out sopping wet in a way jesse is that brutalized teddy bear
0: yeah i i i I don't know if there's too much more to say about the the teaser but i did really like the transition from the bear to where the 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 sun the sun gets like super bright you know what i mean and overhead Mm -hmm. and then you see the that the man in the the hazmat suit sort of come into focus through the water like it's a really great transition there um, yeah, and I, I guess I don't know if there's too much more we have to say about that now. I, I thought it was interesting whenever I was listening to the Insider podcast that they were kind of jazzed up that people were talking about what's going on in the, you know, the, those teasers. And, um, you know, I guess like people didn't generally enjoy the reveal of what was happening there when it came around to it. Or at least that's what I, I get from, you know, going back and reading stuff now. But, um, you know, the in the context of the season, I guess this is where you realize, oh, okay, so this is an ongoing thing, you know, because the all the other teasers were resolved inside the episode that that they they opened at this point. But now we have this one that's going on, you know, kind of serially throughout the the season. So it gives you something to look forward to um, in the next couple of episodes or whenever, you know, you don't really know when it's going to pay off.
1: Yeah, so so getting back to Jesse's low moments, right? Um, Jesse's very very bad day.
0: Yeah, this is it's it's rough, you know. You you were talking a little bit about the the tough love, and um, that tough love is like it's one of those things. um, Tough love is about the person; it's about protecting the person who's applying it. You know, it, it it doesn't really. It's not really about helping the other person. Right. It's about disconnecting because it's just you can't you know, the the relationship is 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 causing problems and you can't there's no way to fix it. You know what I mean? Like there it's a it's an omission of like not being able to to change things. Right. Um,
1: well, I think it can be more than that. Right. Like, I think with tough love, it's, of course, for the person that is setting a boundary. Right. It is in a way of like protecting themselves and saying like, I won't accept this. I can't tolerate this anymore. And drawing that line in the sand. But I, I don't think it's like entirely selfish. Right. Because if you enable someone um, and I think a lot of uh, I, I guess I'm, I'm thinking more in terms of like dealing with addicts, people that maybe struggle with alcohol or drug addiction or something mm-hmm. like that. Tough love is something that is often, you know, spoken about in terms of like you're not helping your addict by enabling them and letting them get away with things and stuff like that. So setting those boundaries, letting them hit, quote unquote, rock bottom sort of thing is the only way yeah. that people can really turn their lives around. So I don't know that we can kind of talk about it in yeah, that but sweeping I mean, generalization. That's...
0: I mean, I don't want to get into a big thing, but that's generally bullshit, though. I mean, rock bottom doesn't help anyone. You know what I mean? Like that, that's, it's, uh, you know what I mean? Like enabling doesn't either. That's the, that's the paradox. That's the, that's the real problem, I guess, is what I I was getting back to is like, in some situations, there's just nothing you can do but protect yourself, right? Because this is like addiction is addiction, you know, it doesn't. It's not something that can be reasoned with. So you can understand the the um, the perspective of of why she's doing what she's doing, but also why it's hard. You know what I mean? Because it's it, from from his point of view, it's it's just like, man, my parents are just terrible people. That they're just, you know, like what does he say? He says you can make your your oldest son homeless or whatever, because that's what it looks like and that's what it feels like to him. But at the same time, you know, like, like you said, if they just let him stay there, like they know he's cooking meth in the bay, you know, like they have like photographic evidence, they saw it with their own eyes, you know, like there's really no, there's really no, um, there's really no good solution. You know, it's 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 a thing, like I said, you can't really reason with it. It's something that has to to have its you know, it's going to play out one way or the other. And, uh, you know, protection is is important. So like,
1: well, of course, we're I mean, we're primed to empathize with Jesse and he's very pathetic in this episode. Right. It's I I mentioned how difficult it is for me to watch because I feel so sorry for him. But um, I absolutely understand where his parents are, are coming from. And objectively, like what parent wouldn't act as they have acted in this situation? Maybe they might do things a little bit differently, like try to, you know, do it. But we also get the sense that his family has been through a lot of like this stuff with him before. Like they've yeah, tried I interventions it, and, you know. I thought it was
0: an interesting choice for him to say, not another intervention, you know, like whenever yeah. they come in. To, to to underline the idea that this is they, they they have tried other things before. I mean, when you say not another intervention, that means that there's probably been at least two, if not. More than that already, you know what yeah. I mean? So,
1: and uh, uh, remembering where his parents are, like where their relationship is, the last time they probably saw him was when he showed up obviously very high on something. That was when he was paranoid yeah. and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, crashed at their house for a while. And then they found the the marijuana joint that actually ended up being his little brother's, but they assumed it was his. And um, they had an interesting conversation between the two uh, the the two parents about what to do with Jesse when he first showed up and their concern and giving him conditions. So they spoke like people that have been through these sort of like programs before, like with like drug treatments and and interventions Uh and and things like that. So um, but just about the thing with rock bottom not working, I have to disagree with you. Um, Like, I think we see Jesse hit rock bottom in this episode and he does Come back from it. This is his rock bottom. And uh, I mean, he's just everything that can go wrong in this guy's life goes wrong. He loses his house. He has no money. He um, has this confrontation with Clovis in the junkyard. uh, His bike gets stolen. Like everything that can go wrong for this guy is just going wrong. And then, you know, it, it really comes to a climax in that fight with Walt. But then from there, you know, things get. Uh, at least for the short period of time gets better for him. You know, he, we see him, yeah, he gets,
0: he gets like 50 grand though. So the, the rock bottom is, is not there anymore. He, he can, the, the reason why he can bounce back in that situation is because he has tens of thousands of dollars after he goes to Walt's house, I think. But I mean, yeah, we, we can disagree on that if you want it, it, the, what, what I wanted to point out though and and you can you can respond after that. I mean, the one of the questions that I had when I watched this, and and was that did he he Walt asked him if he smoked the whole six hundred dollars, and did he actually do that?
1: Uh, so the the money he gives him right at the beginning of the episode, like in the yeah. convenience store. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like uh, maybe he did use it for because bills. Well, because.
0: Well, because the thing was is that when his mom comes into his room, which is is, yeah. is what I was just thinking about, she he has a he has a, a, a like a glass tray with with crystal and a pipe on it that he hides under the bed. It's that she sees right when she walks in, right. And he's mm-hmm. he's cor- sort of crashed out when she wakes him up. It, it's like the middle of the day, so it looks like he's been smoking since he last talked to them. And you know, whenever you think about like the way they were making it, and they were giving it all straight to Tuco, it's possible that that he did actually. When Walt gave him six hundred bucks, he went and after he found out he was getting kicked out of his apartment, he went and bought uh, some some drugs, and he was sitting there smoking them. You know what I mean?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, we see and his he's ha- got his he's got his bong, and then he's got the tray with what I assume is meth on it. But I don't, yeah. I'm not sure he would have to buy the meth. He just takes from his own supply I would assume Well, that's what I'm saying like
0: I don't know because like, I, 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 I think what they I think what they produced you know like whenever they were making the blue I, you know at least what we saw on screen it was it was like Walt was pretty pretty much right there he, he was there through the whole process and then they took it straight to Tuco and they were giving him everything because they were making like the maximum amount that they could mm-hmm. so yeah I was wondering I was thinking that is interesting because you know when they have that phone call which is you know hit, you know is is like a big turning point in the in the episode i guess for him he says you smoked the whole 600 and it's and it's such a shitty thing to say you know what I mean? yeah. <laughs> it's it's like the first of, of several shitty things and um yeah so i was just i was wondering about that if if it's, if there's like if there's regret like you know if he's feeling Bad about the fact that he did, in fact, take the 600 that he got and smoked it up.
1: Well, I mean. I I guess maybe some of that money could have gone towards that, but, um, he, I mean, he does have bills and now he has even more bills since he gets evicted. So he's going to have to find a place to rent and, and all that stuff. And he did pay, uh, Clovis, uh, what was it? six fifty in the previous episode for, yeah, for Yeah he, he was down
0: to zero at that point. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So, so that's like all he had. like the 600 he had was all he had as far as I know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Who knows what he spent it on.
0: Yeah, I I don't know. I just I I didn't I never picked up on that before, but I, I thought that that might be the the implication. Rewatching it this time because, like I said, the the thing with his addiction is in an addiction in general, and and sort of what we're talking about there, you know, is that it's um, it's it's not just difficult for the person that that is 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 doing it. It's it, it's 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 difficult for everyone around them right that's what we're that's what we're kind of um arguing about a little bit there was that you know it, it it's not something that you know that the idea is like you're only hurting yourself or whatever right like you know but you never do and i and i think that's an interesting parallel for these two stories between what Walt's doing, and 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 how that affects everyone around him, and then Jesse, and um, because we're like, as you said, we're 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 primed to to sympathize with Jesse. You know, we look at his parents, his mom, and what they're doing as as being somewhat cruel, even though we can mm-hmm. understand it, but you know, what, what could they actually do at this point? You know, like what, what can you actually do with that? And, um, I guess it doesn't help that they, they were losing the house like the, the, they had to write this into the story because they, they couldn't have, they couldn't shoot at Jesse's house any longer whenever the season two was going on. So they had to sort of figure out a way to, to deal with that.
1: Yeah. And, that's something that they, they discussed in the insider podcast right So this mm-hmm. was the last time that they could shoot in the, in that location so they had to write something to explain why Jesse gets removed from from the house um, And I mean it works out really well again to kind of as you say Pete show the parallel of their their storyline so even though their stories are different and they're different people like they're going they're each going through they're, they're having their own really bad days. <laughs> so, um, Walt's bad day is just that his wife is like onto his BS and isn't going to take it anymore. And um, I think uh, we would be remiss if we didn't also just at least touch on like what happens with Junior. And so this is the episode where we find out that he no longer wants to be called Walter Junior. He wants to be called Flynn. Who's Flynn? Um, yeah. So he's ad- he's assumed this uh, this new identity, his own identity. And then that scene where Walt. Takes him out to teach him how to drive, and that was his idea of a fun day. And of course, it's anything but fun. And the two are um, there's a lot of tension there. And I thought, you know, when I rewatched it, I didn't really pick up on this this before. But in some in that final that final scene with Jesse and Walt when they're rolling around in the the RV and everything, and and uh, Walt is really berating Jesse, telling him he's an idiot and he's too stupid to follow rudimentary instructions, mm. et cetera, et cetera. So rough. I was thinking a lot of that might be like misplaced frustration, um, not just with what's going on with Skyler, but with his own son. So he's obviously mad at Junior for how Junior is driving the car, like how he's using um, two feet for the brake in the, the gas where you're only supposed to use one foot. And Junior isn't following Walt's instructions. And we know how Walt feels about that. It really pisses yeah. him off, right? Mm-hmm. But he can't take that out on his son. So he takes it out on Jesse yeah. instead.
0: I think, yeah, I think that there's a, you know, that was, that was definitely intentional. And, mm-hmm. and what I wanted to say about the, the Walt Jr. or Flynn uh, situation was, it really brings into light the fact that, that Walt just can't see things, see things from anyone else's perspective, right? Like, Um, he doesn't understand why Skyler won't just come around and realize that it's better for everyone. If they get along, you know what I mean? He, he, he can't see why his son won't, you know, drive with only one foot, but like he, he, he's telling him, he's like, I've tried this. I've been working with my friend Lewis and he's been helping me. And it, and it's definitely easier because of the way my body works to use both feet. And like, Walt just can't, can't really accept that as as a as a bio viable per, perspective because it's it's not the one that he has, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. So not only can he not, like, assume other people's point of view, but he's also has this this drive to assert control over every situation. And right. that I think that's quite a shift for his family because we, we've talked to, about this at length about who he was at the beginning of the series and he was very passive and somewhat submissive. And Skyler was calling all the shots in, in their relationship really. And now, like, we've seen how he has evolved to this point where he wants to be in control of, of the situation, um, whatever situation he's in, and he is clearly out of control in all of these these situations. And this attempt to, as he says, mend fences is he drives ironically, a, a bigger wedge between him and each of his his family members. And I thought um, we talked a little bit about the that desperate breakfast, as Skylar calls it, obvious desperate breakfast and the insincerity of that. And I thought that was like an, a really interesting contrast. So like after Jesse and, and Walt have that uh, that fight in the RV, they're able to in a way it's very cathartic for them. They're, they're both able to yeah. take out their frustration. And again, it's misplaced frustration for the other and i think there's this like kind of unspoken realization that like they're both in the shitter so to speak like it's kind of shitty for both of them and i just love how like when they walk in and he's like do you want breakfast and that's that's the sincerity that's the real sincere moment where he's really offering this kid who's stained blue you want some breakfast right Mm -hmm. like he's finally there's that shift where maybe he is able to understand where jesse's coming from and that's just because he relates to him in a way that he cannot relate to anyone else
0: yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Um was the word testicular, was that ever yeah. used in that same <laughs> way?
1: No. <laughs> I love that line. It's just
0: like a total random <laughs> thing. What does that, that you, mean? Yeah. I was thinking the same thing when and it, 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 it's that's what makes it so funny. Like I think um I brought this up before, but you know, like the way that, that Jesse talks you know, you you see you see that he picks up things that other people say and stuff like that, and um, a lot of times he he tries to present himself as being a little bit smarter through his his choice of vocabulary. I think the the scene where he goes in for the uh, job interview comes to mind. You know what I mean, where he's mm-hmm. trying to say the to, trying to throw in a few buzzwords or the you know a little bit of. Uh, vernacular or whatever to try to make himself sound more professional. What does he and call it? it
1: curriculum fight. He mispronounces it. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> curriculum
1: I don't remember how
0: he says it, but he vitae yeah, but, or,
1: uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Which he says something and he, and he adds that at the end, I think he says, which I think sounds more professional or something. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great yeah, t-
0: test. Testicular was, it was a fantastic choice in this. Like what I just, it's just so, out of the blue. And, uh, another thing we were talking a little bit last time about the, the physical Aaron Paul, you know, his physical acting, like some of the stuff that he does and man, does he smash the, like, I think that he probably actually injured himself if, if, and not both of them, at least in one of the scenes with smashing the phones that he does it on, on his counter. Mm-hmm. And then he does it again at the phone booth outside the, the, the comedian store. And I mean, he's really, uh, laying into that really going the extra mile for the role.
1: Yeah. And then we, we really get to see Bob Odenkirk beat the hell out of a phone booth, uh, in uh, Saul. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's another, that's in those phones. Uh, I wonder how that works. Like you're just going on the street somewhere. You don't bring your own phone. Right. So like, I wonder how that works. If you want to just start smashing one up. I mean, it belongs to somebody, right?
1: the i assume whoever owns the the phone booth yeah yeah Yeah. uh yeah
0: and like i said i i don't know like you know like it it was sad it is sad like you do feel bad about jesse but there's still like all those comedic moments that 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 really kind of um lighten things up the whole way and um Right until he gets to to that point, you know, after his bike's stolen, he ends up at Clovis's. And um not a bad idea to to use the porta potty as a as a way to get over the fence, but um yeah, it doesn't work out that well for him in the end. And yeah, whenever he, he gets there, like that he does this shuffling walk of being wet, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs>
2: and yeah. but not
0: just wet but like you know just this awful odor and um you know we we'll, we can get back into that in a little bit but yeah the 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 whole thing culminates in that when he just breaks down inside of the RV because it hits you that like he he really is like this this is this is uh, the bottom for him right here. You know what I mean? Like, where does he go from there? He like, he, he just, he's just looking for somewhere to, to be under a roof for, for the night and everything is still fucked up whenever he wakes up in the morning. You know what I mean?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting choice that like, once he uh, breaks out of the, the junkyard, the next day though, is, is that he goes and he parks on Walt street. Uh, to spend the night, um, the fall like later that day. So,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I wonder why he went there instead of of I guess just out of absolute desperation.
0: Yeah, he but, wanted the money, but yeah. um, I, you get the sense that he's not even sure how to approach the situation. Is is what's what you know? He's sitting there. I wouldn't part. I wouldn't have personally parked right there, especially if I saw Skylar's car. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. um. Yeah, I think that's the thing is, like, he just doesn't know where to go. He has nowhere to go. Well, and he also he forced— tried, He tried calling on the phone. That didn't work. Yeah. Um,
1: and, and it forces the confrontation, right? So— Yeah. And this is, like, the beginning of, like, Walt really starting to lose control Um, in in over every situation. So, like, he had—last time they had, like, really spoken, apart from, like, the time that Jesse calls him when he's getting evicted and then uh, throws the ice trays— And slams the phone down Um, The last time they Uh spoke in the convenience store Walt said no contact And gave him like the $600 sort of thing And and Jesse is confronting Walt at the end And we'll really see that play out In some really interesting ways In uh, 605 So looking forward to to talking about that one 205 205, what'd I say?
0: 605 605
1: yeah yeah I guess I'm thinking about Better Call Saul
0: <laughs> so. yeah because there is no 60 oh, anything yeah yeah as-
1: 205 <laughs> yeah so just a couple other things I wanted to to mention um so we talked a lot about the, the title of the episode being really appropriate for what's happening thematically in this episode is down but just again that it's a part of that uh that larger uh, like plot point reveal. So the 737 down and then um, over ABQ will come uh, later, but that it also plays into that one.
0: Take a break, wander around in a fugue state. We'll be right back. Tight, tight, tight. We're back with more GDT.
1: And um, something that I learned from listening to the Insider podcast, we talked a little bit about the scene with Jesse and his mom in his uh, in his bedroom at his aunt's house. There's that photo of of Jesse and his aunt Jenny, and it turns out that that's actually yeah. a photo of uh, Vince Gilligan's real aunt, and her name mm-hmm. was Jenny Lambert, and she died of lung cancer um, mm-hmm. as they started like filming uh, the first uh, season of Breaking Bad. So jenny aunt jenny that's obviously a nod to her they also got to get her picture in there and of course lambert is the last name that we'll we'll uh see later in the series um that's a uh, waltz uh assumed identity when he uh mm-hmm. when he has to vacuum himself out of town mr lambert so i yeah. love i love those like little like insider things that they d- they do
0: yeah yeah, it, that this is a great episode. This is a great um as far as the podcast is, the Insider podcast is concerned. This is a great episode of this like uh Aaron Paul's on it. So you get a lot of behind the scenes stuff about how he you know does his job as as becoming um Jesse Pinkman, which is really interesting too. Um yeah. I'm trying to think there's a. I'm looking through my notes. There's so many things that I want to wait for next week to 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 get into. Um, I'm trying to like. I think we we definitely. I want to talk a little bit more about this this final conversation between um, Walt and Skyler. Mm-hmm. One thing I really liked about the way this is set up, I really like the establishing like sort of it's sort of a uh, full shot where you see them both sitting on the couch there's a big pillow in between them sort of like a natural border or a barrier i should say um walt looks like he's just at the end of his you know i i thought it was really funny how the the morning's changed you know you had the um the christmas new mexico christmas style with red and green chilies um omelets and then you have no breakfast that nobody cares about and then you have um, Flynn saying, ah, I don't, where's breakfast? You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, and then you get to this point and then he just, he's just, uh, you know, exhausted. He's everything, nothing has worked. He's just there broken down on the couch and, and he tries to, to, um, apologize.
1: Yeah. And it's a, it's an interesting thing about the breakfast. So everyone jokes about breakfast and breaking bad and, you know, uh, they like to, uh, joke about like Junior and being like the mm-hmm. breakfast king and stuff like that but you know I think it is it's an important point that for in this world in this family in this universe it's these like little mundane things that really like establish connection between the characters so in the mm-hmm. white household where they are always they're, they all like uh, convene together and they share and they talk and they laugh and really those those family moments happen is around that, that table when they're having breakfast in the morning so the fact that like that waltz pollutes it with his his lies and his bs and stuff like that is is almost like a like a like a step too far it's a sin in um in in this world and i guess like the uh uh the the analog to that in better call saul would be the the tooth brushing so like we always see kim and Jimmy br- Jim, kim and jimmy brushing their teeth and then of course mm-hmm. in season six when uh, and um, was it waterworks? We see Kim brushing her teeth by herself. It's like one of the most heartbreaking scenes. Yeah. So, like the idea of like Walt sitting there and eating breakfast by himself, and we see that in the the final um the final season, the final episode, even like when he's at Denny's or whatever, having his mm-hmm. breakfast by himself on his birthday. It's like. It's, you know, something's wrong in the world when they can't sit down and have like a good breakfast together mm-hmm. or when Kim and Jimmy can't just brush their teeth. It's I don't yep. know. I, I love, again, those like those little those little humanizing details that these these writers include. Absolutely. But um, yeah, going back to this couch scene with Walt and, and Skyler, it is such a great scene. It's so well written. I love the dialogue in it. I love the acting in it, um, that pillow between them, the talking pillow, right, um, is a uh-huh. fence between them. So you said barrier. But um, again, like, she, like Walt is trying to lower fences, Skyler's putting them up. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, it's, it's, a, I think just visually a lot of really interesting stuff happens there. And I mean, it's, she really just calls him out. So like he says this bit, he tells her what he thinks she wants to hear. I'm sorry for not being a good partner. I'm sorry for not communicating. I don't want to lose contact. And she's like, okay. And that's not enough though it's like not enough just to say i'm sorry it's she wants you know something sincere something real something genuine from yeah. him and he it's absolutely can't do it
0: It's the mirror of of the you know what in the beginning he 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 should have left it alone
1: mm-hmm. here
0: he 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 tries to do that and and in here it's not enough right like the it's what what is was like i when i when I was watching it I was sort of uh stopping line by line when I went back to to do the notes or whatever and um I was thinking that you know like whenever whenever he says that hes she says i i want that too and then he reaches out and and they they hold each other's hands for a second and in mm-hmm. his mind it's it's right there you know I'm like oh okay finally but if he plays it through even just a little bit like of course that's not enough right
1: mm-hmm
0: And, um, you know, what can he tell her? He can't tell her anything like he, he, you know, the truth, it's, it's always best to tell the truth. Right. But here, this is the telling the truth is it, it, it can't in your mind. If you're in Walt's shoes in that situation, telling the truth cannot lead to anything other than your, your marriage falling apart. Right.
1: Oh, I mean, he does eventually tell her the truth. And this scene, um, they they have a scene that's almost shot identical to how this one is when he finally mm-hmm. does tell her the truth. So he follows her out to the car and he's like, what if I tell you the truth because she's leaving? And he's like, I'll tell you everything. And she says, I'm afraid to even know, you know, um, what it is that you're actually doing. And then he eventually does tell her and we see what that does to their their relationship. And they do end up in a way reconciling, though. I mean, it's not it's. Pfft, I mean, it's it's irreparable in a lot of ways. Right. And there's so it's so complicated what happens between those two characters. And there's yeah. a lot to really unpack. And that doesn't happen for some time. So I don't want to get too much into it here now. So I mean, like, but he's you you mentioned um, you or you you raised the question when we last uh, last recorded about can he turn the boat around? And I think he really can't. Like, so he's just got to keep going forward and and. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's just delaying the inevitable. Like she is going to find out he is going to come clean and it's going to fall apart, but I don't know that it would have been any better had he come clean right now and told her the truth.
0: Yeah, that's what I was thinking, you know, from a dramatic standpoint, like for the drama that's happening here internally and and then what we see playing out, you know? What I mean, like there mm-hmm. the it's really well it's really well crafted in the way that that you know, he really he can't give her what she wants and um and that's just sort of it you know and so that's going to tear them apart in one way or other it's just finding out how that's gonna you know how that's gonna play out you know no more these these obvious desperate breakfasts right Mm
2: -hmm.
0: (laughs) no more excuses i mean you know like I said, I mentioned at the beginning Anim Gun really gets to turn it on here and um just I mean obviously Brian Cranston, everything he's doing in this episode's amazing, but uh these two here, this is like a really great um you know, preview of what's to come between these two two actors. I like the, I like the whole, uh, you know, having cancer doesn't excuse all of that. You know, he says, he says Mm -hmm. that like he's, he's, um, you know, really, really sorry and really sincere about wanting to make things better. And, uh. I, I don't want to. I don't want to talk too much about the other one because it's my my favorite line of this of the episode. Well, but um, why don't
1: we just get into it? Unless there's anything else, why don't we just tell us tell us what your favorite line is?
0: Yeah, we could just get right into it. I guess. Um, yeah, this week I went with kind of the you know the most obvious choices um, for both. I think for both the shot and the um, the line. But yeah, my favorite line in this was shut up and say something that isn't complete bullshit. You know? Um, It's, it, I mean, it's, there's a, there's a, it's a great line. It's from a character. We know where they're coming from, but I mean, the the way that it plays out throughout this entire series or this entire episode, uh, it's really the exclamation point at the end of the sentence, because, you know, we, it, this is compl- like we we totally understand where this character is coming from why she feels that way why she feels like she has to say this and that she's she's right you know what i mean and and there's that's just that's just an amazing uh moment i think
1: it is great scene so my choice for this one um it was a toss-up uh you already mentioned it we already talked a little bit about it um it's when jesse says my housing situation went uh, completely testicular on me just because it is a hilarious line but i uh went with um with Walt's line uh when he first sees jesse after uh you know after that that confrontation you were just describing with skylar and he says why are you blue and it's like so, it's, I mean it's of course got multiple meanings right so like why why is he physically stained yeah. blue but like also like uh Jesse as, as we've been saying in this whole uh, podcast is like you know just having the worst day of his life so uh, he's down he's blue and uh, he's you know it's there's that vis- visual representation of just how awful everything has been for him he's literally stained so um yeah. what about you what was your what was your favorite shot?
0: Well, it was whenever he got blue, um, when he spills out of the, out of the porta potty (laughs) and, and we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier about it's, it's one of those scenes that you can smell, you know what I mean? Like, that's what Mm -hmm. really, that's what really sells this for me is that I don't even know like the physics involved, like how the, you know, the, the water is coming out. Like, I don't even understand how any of that's supposed to work. I don't know that it really makes a lot of sense if you, if you start to think about it, you know, like he falls into the basin and then he, you know, you hear him in the shot. What, what works really great about the shot is that you hear that him pounding on the door and you, you're wondering like, what's going on here, you know? <laughs> and then he, he, he flops out onto the ground. And then this blue liquid, um, you know, it's just, it's the way it's framed, the way that the, the, the colors, everything is, it's just, Perfect, and it's static. You know, like the 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 camera position is completely static. But you see this this blue liquid sort of rushing out of the of the the porta potty, and and like I said, that it this is that that this is that substance that if you've ever been in a porta potty anywhere, if you've ever had to use one of these things, you know this smell, and it's and it's repulsive. It's the kind of smell that can cover up what it's made to cover up right so like hopefully yeah yeah just chemical uh and then and then yeah then it's it's yeah but i don't know that i this is like um this is one of those things that's that's it's hilarious like that it happened but also you you're a hundred percent like oh my god i can't imagine having that happen to me and feeling so bad for this character in this moment you know
1: Mm Mm-hmm. poor jesse so, um, my favorite shot of this one is, uh, where, um, the the beginning of the scene with Jesse and his mom in his bedroom when he's asleep and she comes in and we see a couple of like uh, shots of things around the bedroom so like we see that photo of Jesse and his aunt and then we get um, a close up on the fish tank it's very brief but his fish tank there are no fish in it the water level is really low it's dirty and it's got like algae and junk in it and there's a cigarette butt floating in it so he's been using it as an ashtray but there's also strangely a statue of the Virgin Mary inside of the fish tank. And that image really stood out to me um, for a couple of reasons, right? So like the idea of, of Mother Mary, the Virgin, um, the I guess the ideal mother, right? And mm-hmm. I, I already spoke a little bit about like the role of mothers in this episode and how I see it. So like it's been like polluted and corrupted. And of course, um, with that cigarette butt floating in front of the figure of the Virgin, I couldn't help but connect that to the very last scene of this episode with Skylar very proud pregnant sitting there smoking a cigarette so mm-hmm. i thought that was a really interesting little like like visual connection um that they made and of course with the fish tank itself in that scene what we see again is his mother coming in and not showing him um at least to his mind any mercy and um not acting like in like the the, the way that like uh stereotypically archetypally we expect mothers to act she is as jesse even says you're kicking your only son out right so mm-hmm. um whether or not she's justified, that point aside, how it appears, right? Like, this is not the merciful mother who is willing to sacrifice everything, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, I it, thought it was a really striking image. Yeah. And I don't think I ever really noticed it before this rewatch. Yeah,
0: it, it does stand out. I I, um, I didn't make any of those connections, but that that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, it, and I just wanted to bring up that idea that you know, when they're, when they're talking, I mean, it's, it's really rough, you know what I mean? And the, the idea that she says where she's like, why are you like this? You know, like that, that whole question. And I like how that works from both of their perspectives. You know what I mean? Like that's the question that he, I mean, you, you know, you get the sense that Jesse feels bad about his behavior and the things that he does, you know, he has remorse. He's not, he's not, um, He's not going around thinking that everybody's trying to bring him down and everything's perfect. Like he feels bad about, about his situation. And, um, you know, his mom is the same. She's, she, she does care. You, you, could, you can imagine that she's, she's made efforts before this that we haven't seen, but you know, the the implications there and she just doesn't know what to do. And, uh, you know, it comes out in a slap and then you see that later with, um, Jesse, you see him, <laughs> you know, choking out Walt as Mm -hmm. that comes out. And, and, you know, I think that that, you know, was the, my biggest takeaway about this whole episode was that you really see how Walt's frustration, his inability to see things from his, the people who are closest around him, from the way they're experiencing what's happening and him not being able to get them to just come on board and do it what he, what makes, you know, make this easy for him so that he can make this money and, um you know, make his exit from the, from the, the situation when he dies from his cancer, you know, it, it all, it all, he, he, it all comes out on Jesse and that, that's pretty, that's pretty rough to watch.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, even if, if Jesse does feel bad about some things, and I think he does, um, they're, they both these characters, both Walt and Jesse are, incredibly entitled, right? So I think in that that yeah. scene with his mother, he's like, you know, he's uh, talking about how, like, he earned it. Like, he earned this house because he mm-hmm. took care of his aunt and, you know, he calls his mom out, like, what did you ever do for her sort of thing? So there's this, this sense, like, that he is owed something. Um, and, of course, with, like, Walt, too, like, the way, like, he uh, follows Skylar out to the car and yells at her, do you even know what I've done for this family? Um, I, I thought those were, again, like, kind of interesting uh lines from both these characters and how they think of them themselves and like what they're owed from the world for what they've done. I don't
0: know. yeah, absolutely. And um you know that that I guess to bring it full circle, uh, you know, the that whole idea of you didn't have to do this, you know, she says that to him and he says, I wanted to and, you know, the double meaning of that, you know, yeah. like he didn't, ha- he didn't have to do any of this, you know, Jesse didn't have to do any of this. Walt didn't have to do any of this. They wanted to. And, um, you know, there's consequences.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Work. I didn't think about that. Yeah, that he wanted to not just make breakfast, he wanted to cook meth and uh, ruin his family's lives.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah, there's the obvious (laughs) connection of how that, you know, plays out in in the last time that Walt and Skylar will talk to each other, too. So I think that's about it for me. What do you think?
1: I think so. Uh we'll we'll have more to say about like where these storylines yeah. go in the next one. I'm
0: holding back so many things because of of what I know happens in 205. Yeah. It's a good reason to tune back in next week though. So if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to follow our podcast and set yourself up for notifications. Please rate and review us if you have time. That would be great. It would help us out. We're trying to get more people to find out about our podcast and a and I guess that's the way to do that. Um, and if you wanted to support us directly, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com growth decay transformation. You get the episodes ad free in a day early there. What about Twitter? You want to tell them about our Twitter?
1: Yeah, sure. So you can connect with us um, on Twitter at Breaking Bad GDT and write to us at Breaking Bad GDT at gmail.com. Please let us know uh, if you have any questions, comments. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and uh, a little bit of a sad note here is that um, this is uh, Talitha's last episode with us, and we just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge and thank her for her wonderful work as our producer. She is a fabulous producer and editor, and couldn't recommend her services uh highly enough. So if you're out there and you're looking for uh someone to help you with your various projects, you should uh definitely reach out to to Talitha. So thank you so much, yeah, we Talitha. We learn so
0: much. We will learn so much from you. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, and um is is there anything you wanted to say? Any projects you want to promote or maybe you can tell everyone how they can find you?
2: Sure. Well, thank you for the kind words. I really enjoyed working on Growth Decay Transformation with you guys, and I'm looking forward to seeing this show grow in the future. Uh, As you know, my name is Palitha. I edit this podcast and other podcasts, including a lot of the shows that are coming out of Bald Move. I started off as a video editor before I moved into the podcast space, and I have my own YouTube channel. And if you'd like to check it out, it's called Palitha TV, T-A-L-I-T-H-A TV. It's got a little purple icon with a TV on it. Most of what's on there are my different short films or the web series projects. It's all comedy with an absurd humor. For example, my show, (laughs) Pardon Our Garden, is what you get when you cross a PBS gardening show with The Twilight Zone. That's the way I like to describe it and pitch it to people. (laughs) Uh, There's more shorts up there. You can check those out. I have some in the works right now about uh, one where two people who work at an ice cream parlor find a dead guy in the freezer and they're trying to figure out how to move him without letting anybody know what's <laughs> happened. So if that weird stuff sounds like it's your jam, I'd love for you to come by, check it out, leave a comment. Um, I loved hearing from people. I love to interact with people in the comment section, or you could find me on Instagram at Talitha underscore makes underscore things. I watch out for, again, people, commenting or liking or sharing my stuff because i think it's really awesome when we can you know just chat about things we like or find funny and i just want to say thank you for listening to growth decay transformation and i'll see you on the internet somewhere
1: yay yeah talitha that sounds like like sounds like a very vince gilligan kind of plot like the character is trying to figure out how to how to do it and um sounds great yeah so definitely go go give talitha some love check check her stuff out
0: Yeah, can't definitely do that. And uh, thanks for listening. You can join us next week when we'll be discussing episode 205, Breakage.